Uh, today we are continuing our series uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bible and you'd like to get a head start, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. And you will see that today's message, the title of it is Victory Over Worry. And uh, what's interesting about that is I spent this week worrying. So I've not actually lived out this passage of Scripture. Now, worry is something that I think that a lot of people end up struggling with. Now, what's interesting to me is that even though we talk about worry, there's some people who like to wear worry as if it's a badge of honor. You know, I've been worrying for you for 37 consecutive years. And so that's supposed to be something that's like impressive. But, but here's the deal. That is not a biblical perspective when it comes to worry. Uh, it's real interesting to see what the Bible has to say about the issue of worrying. As a matter of fact, we are told in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Be anxious or don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that's real interesting because what we are being told in those verses by Paul is we are commanded not to worry. We are commanded not to be anxious about anything. Now, now why should we not worry? Because sometimes we like to think, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, it shows that I care about people. Well, here's the thing about worry. Worry is miserable. You ever spent much time worrying before? Does it ever lift you up? I mean, it's like a burden. It's awful. And then there's actually been some studies that have been done that talk about what people worry about. Forty uh, percent of what people worry about are things that are never going to happen. Uh, another thirty percent of the things that we worry about are things that have already happened in the past. And excuse me, things that have happened in the past, and we can't do anything to change them. Uh, another 12% of the things that we worry about are what other people think about us or what they say about us. And oftentimes, those things that they think or say about us are things that aren't even true. And so the conclusion in the study was that 92% of the things that we worry about are things that aren't even worth worrying about. And so all that means is that, that we are wasting time when we worry. Now, I like the story about a, a man and his wife, and his wife, every night, she was always worried someone was going to break into the house. And so she would always tell him, hey, why don't you check downstairs one more time? And for years, he did this, and finally, one night, he went downstairs, and there was an actual burglar in their kitchen. And he saw the guy, and he said, man, I am so glad to see you. He said, I'd like for you to come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting to meet you for 10 years. Now, now worry is something that is, it really is, it's just a waste of time. But today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus addressing in the Sermon on the Mount this whole issue of worry. And, and obviously, it was something that people were struggling with. They were consumed with it whenever they don't have to be. If you're a follower of Jesus, we don't have to be consumed by worry because of the promises that God gives us people. Now, we like to say that we're a people of the book or we're a people who believe in the promises of God. And yet it's real easy not to live according to those promises. Now just think about some of the promises God's given to his people. He's promised us forgiveness when we call out to him and we repent. Uh, in John 3.16, Jesus promises eternal life. In Philippians 4, Jesus promises to, to give us and to supply all of our needs. 
In Romans 8, he tells us that all things can work together for good for those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Now, those are great promises that come from God. And yet, somehow, it's pretty easy for a lot of us to allow our circumstances to trump the promises that God gives. And so what happens? Well, we live, oftentimes, in a state of fear and worry. And so that's why today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25, where Jesus addresses an issue that is very relevant for all of our lives, even today. I mean, the people he was talking to, I mean, these are, this is like 2,000 years ago. And so the, the problems that the people had 2,000 years ago, they are still the same problems that we deal with today. Worry. But Jesus said, if you worry, he said, that's a limiting view, it's a short-sighted view. That's why last week, whenever we were going through the Sermon on the Mount last week as well, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus said, he said, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and, break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in life that make life just sort of, it's, you know, it's sort of like a roller coaster. It's, it's just up and down all the time. And if we, are, if we are banking everything that we've got in this life, I promise you, you are going to be an emotional wreck. It is a miserable way to live. You're going to worry all the time. So how can we have victory over worry? Well, this, Jesus points out a few things for us. Let's see what he had to say about it. First, Jesus demonstrated that worry is something that is unfaithful because of our master, because of who our master is. In verse number 25, Jesus said, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, now, Jesus said in these verses, he said, he said to us, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. Now, what does that mean when it says, this is what I tell you? Well, it refers to what we talked about last week. One thing that Jesus said last week is Jesus said that there's only two masters that you can serve. He said, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the things of this world. Now, what happens if you serve the things of this world? It's like I said a while ago, the things of this world, it's up and down all the time. Things of this world are finite. They are temporary. Have you all noticed that before? I mean, it, nothing lasts forever. I mean, you get a brand new car, looks good for a while, what happens? Your kids drive it, and then it doesn't look as good. Uh, you, your body, whenever you're younger, you know, every, you never get sick, you never have any problems, and you begin to get older, what happens? Your body begins, you become the bionic person because of all the surgeries that you have to have. So life is very, it's just up and down. So Jesus said what you want to serve in life is you want to serve God, who is finite, or infinite, excuse me. You, you want to serve God who has control over all things, who always keeps his promises. And when that happens, and you really believe that, then your worry level goes down as you begin to realize my hope and my confidence is a God who has power over all things regardless of my circumstances. Let me try to explain it like this. Whenever I was in college, I was, I was friends with a guy that played college basketball. He went on to play in the NBA for like 12 years. 
And so we'd get together every once in a while, we'd go downtown Columbia, and we'd play and pick up basketball games. Let me tell you something. It was, it was absolutely awesome. I mean, I'd go down there, and I never had a fear about losing. I knew we were going to win. You know why? It wasn't because of me. It was because of who was on the team. It's because I knew when I threw the ball to that guy, he was going to score every time. And we just absolutely, when I say he, he just absolutely waxed everybody. And so I just got to come along for the ride and enjoy the ride the entire time. But it was because of who he was and not of who I was. And the, the same idea is true when it comes to God. You see, sometimes we allow the worry of this world to, to come into play where we think the scrub situations of this life are going to be able to overpower God. But it's not going to happen because of who God is. See, it's, worry is a waste of time because God has power over all things. L listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 11, and 12. He said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I'm able to do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. Guys, whenever we worry, it's, it's a great deal of foolishness on our part because we serve a God who holds, as we sang earlier, He holds the world in His hands. Now, I think I have a pretty good story that kind of demonstrates how we should handle worry. There's a a pilot in the early days of aviation, he was going to fly around the world, and as he was flying, he heard this gnawing sound in the plane. And in, back in those days, it was pretty common that rats would get in the plane, and they'd begin to chew through cables and wires, and of course, that could cause the plane to go down. And so the guy was worried. He was two hours from the last place he took off from, two hours to the next landing place. So he's trying to figure out what to do. And so it was then that he began to realize, you know, a rat is just simply a rodent. It was made for the ground. It was not made for heights. And so he began to climb that plane. And it went up 1,000 feet, another 1,000 feet, till he hit 20,000 feet, and the gnawing stopped. Whenever he landed, he looked in. Sure enough, there was a rat in there. But the rat was made for the ground. It wasn't made for heights. Now, guys, in a very, in a very real way, worry is a rodent. And it was built for the ground. And if you want to overcome worry, then you bring it into the heights of God and you lift up your worries to God, as Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, and we bring them to God and we give them to Him and God will crush and drown out the worries that we have. So, so what does Jesus have to say about worry? Well, He says it, it demonstrates that, that worry is unfaithful because of who our Master is. Our Master is God. But also we see something else. Jesus demonstrated worry is unnecessary because of our Father. Because of who our Father is. Now look in verse number, let's see, 26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And, and why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? 
You know, every once in a while, I'll hear people say, they'll say, man, it wouldn't be great just to be a kid again. And you know, sometimes people say that because whenever, for, you know, for most people, or for many people, your childhood was, I mean, there's, it's, in many ways, it was worry-free for a lot of us. You know, I know for me, when I was growing up, I, I, I was not worried about the mortgage when I was six. You know, I, I wasn't worried about, you know, is there going to be food on the table? I wasn't worried about, you know, where am I going to be sleeping tonight? I didn't have to worry about those things because our family was blessed and I had a dad who was able to provide those things for us. So it was not anything that ever really crossed my mind. And that is the same idea that Jesus has here. He's letting us know that we can be like worry-free children whenever we follow him. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And he said, and I'll give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has already taken care of the debt that every one of us has in this room today. See, we have a debt of sin, but Jesus went to the cross and he paid that debt for us. And for those who follow him, then Jesus says, I have an eternal dwelling place for you. Now, if we truly believe that, and we truly apply that knowledge to our lives, do you think that's going to affect the way that you view the world? And is that going to affect the way that, that you live your life? If Jesus is actually true to his word, absolutely. Now you might say, well, that sounds good, but is that really possible? Well, in verse 26, Jesus gives us an example of how it's possible. He says, look at the birds of the sky. He says, I take care of the birds. You know, did you know there's anywhere between 200 and 400 billion birds in the world today? Somewhere between 200 and 400 billion. Now, what's interesting to me about that is with all those birds, bird, did you know birds don't worry? You know, they don't sit there and wake up one morning and go, gosh, wait, where am I going to get my next meal? You know, how am I going to take care of Junior? Now, you know, but birds just simply, they, they get up and they go out and they find what they need to survive because it's already been provided. And do you know that God has done the same thing for people? Now you can sit there and say, well, if God's provided for people, then why do we have starvation and things like that in this world? That's a good question. But here's what's interesting. Did you know that right now there's enough food produced in our world to feed every person in our world three meals a day? And we only have to do it. We could raise all that food on just 10% of the agricultural land that we have in the world. God has already provided. The problem is that people mess things up. Now, now God has already provided all of those things. So that's one thing that we worry about is, will God, will God provide? God already provides. Another thing we worry about is, how long am I going to live? You know, the president of Google Ventures, he's, he said that he wants to live long enough so that he doesn't die. He said, I really believe that we have the technology today, and if I, really, if I really get into it, he said, I believe that we can push man's lifespan out to 500 years. Now, now, why do people worry about the longevity of their life? Because there's a lot of people who believe that this life is it. And if that's true, then I get it. If, if this is all that there is, man, I want to hang on to this thing for as long as I can. But as believers, we don't have to worry about that. 
Now, why don't we have to worry about that? Well, it's pretty simple. It's because Jesus has unchained us from the power of death. That's what Jesus has done. I mean, we're told in Hosea 13, 14. It says, I will ransom them from the power of Sheol. I'll redeem them from death. Death, where are your barbs? Sheol, where is your sting? Now, another verse is very similar to that in the New Testament. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 55 through 57, it says, Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now if we believe in the promises of God, we believe that what Jesus says is true, when it comes to death, we don't have to live in worry and fear. Why? Because God has prepared a place of eternity for his people. That, that's, like, that's like really good news. And that, that should cause us to live with, without fear and to live with confidence. On Friday mornings, I get together with a couple of guys and we, we do a Bible study together. And one of the lessons that we just had a couple of weeks ago was interesting. It was the, the, the author of the study we're going through talked about uh, golf. And he said, you know, it's really interesting that when you play golf and you're going to hit a golf ball over the water... He said, if it's, a, if it's a ball that you really like or it's new, he said, man, you just sort of, you know, you kind of tense up. And you're thinking, I don't want to lose this ball. And he said, so what happens a lot of times with, you know, amateur hacks like me, we get up there and we just totally choke because it's a ball we care so much about. He said, so what a lot of guys do, instead of hitting that ball, what, guys, what do we do? Or ladies, if you play golf. You, you get the water ball, Right? You know, you look in your bag for the ball that's just, I mean, just beat to death. Or, or you look for a ball that, that somebody gave you, one that you didn't get for yourself, and you just kind of click your ball over and put that one down there and put that good ball in your pocket. And what's interesting is that, man, it just allows you to relax. You're like, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I lose this ball, I didn't pay for it. If I lose this ball, I mean, it's not mine anyway. And so we relax, and typically when you do that, with, you can't lose a water ball. I mean, you can lose a new one all the time. But when it's, your, when it's not your ball, it's just so much easier to play and to live with a little more freedom. Well, in a sense, that's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, listen, in this life, I want you to know that I've given you a water ball, so to speak. There's no pressure. We, we can relax and enjoy life because Jesus has made a provision in order for us to get over the water hazard of death. Because he gave us Jesus. So you don't have to live in fear. So you see death before you. You don't have to live in fear because I will get you across. Not by anything you've done, but because of what I've done for you. And so when we worry, Jesus has some interesting things to say. He said worry shows we're unfaithful. We're being unfaithful because of our master. He told us worry is unnecessary because of our father. And then this is the last one. Jesus tells us that worry is unreasonable because of our faith. Uh, verse number 31, the last few verses I'll read. Jesus said, so don't worry, saying, what will, we eat? what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. It's really easy to live life in a state of constant anxiety and fear. 
I mean, you watch the news. It's not like you watch the news and go, man, I'm just so relaxed now. I think I'm going to go take a nap. I mean, you watch the news. What's going on? You know, ISIS is, you know, running crazy. They're cutting people's heads off. We watch the news. We see that Iran, the largest state sponsor of terrorism, they are on the verge of getting a nuclear weapon. And you watch all this stuff, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, how can I not be worried? And, and then you look at the things the people in our text were dealing with. I mean, they're, they're worried about, you know, how am I going to eat? You know, how am I going to have enough, enough clothing for, for me and my family? You know, how am I going to put food on the table? Now, those are just some of the daily worries people have. I, I can think of some of the worries that we have. You know, some of the worries that we have as we worry about our children. You know, what are they going to do with their lives? We worry, am I going to have enough money for me to be able to actually retire? You know, we just kind of go through all of these things and... And then Jesus tells us to do something that's so antithetical to our nature. Jesus tells us, don't worry. Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. That sounds good, doesn't it? Y'all succeeding in that very well? Be anxious for nothing. It's like pie in the sky thinking. I mean, is that even realistic? Is that even possible? Or is it? Well, look, look at the promises Jesus has given us. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Romans 8, 31, we are told if God be for us, then who can be against us? If God be for us, then who can be against us? So, so whenever we come up against any obstacle that we can't handle, and, and we believe and have faith and confidence in the God of Scripture then guys, we don't have any reason to worry because he can handle all things. So you might say, well, then how do I allow God to handle all things? What, what can I actually do? Well, Jesus answers the question in verse number 33. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus said, whenever you face circumstances, he said, don't let your first response be worry. What, what's our first response to be? He said, you will seek first the kingdom of God. When you're, when you're worried, when you feel overcome by some things, when you have challenges before you, what do I do? Seek Jesus. How do I do that? Open up this book. Seek out the promises that he gives in Scripture. Seek to be obedient to his leadership. And then trust that what Jesus says is true. Now, does that mean we're never going to have fear in our lives, that we're never going to experience worry? Absolutely not. The Bible's very realistic. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 56, 3. It says, when I am afraid, I will trust in thee. The Bible gives us the response that we are to have whenever we begin to have fear and whenever we begin to worry. Now, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him, on Jesus. Because he cares for you. It's not to say that we're never going to have any anxieties to cast upon God. It just says that when you do have anxieties, you bring them to God and let the height of your prayer suck out the oxygen that's in the worry that you have. So my challenge for you and for me is to live by this word even when you doubt it. Whenever you see your kids straying from where they need to go, 
In faith, you pray that God will get a hold of the heart of your child. Whenever you are involved in a marriage where you are struggling in faith, you say, I will love my spouse anyway. Because that is what God has called me to do. When you began to swerve into anxiety and fear and doubt, you pray like the man in the New Testament who said, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Love that verse. You trust him. You live as if what Jesus says is true. Whenever your life feels like it's a wreck, you trust that God has the power to bring victory. Does that mean everything's going to work out for you perfectly? Not immediately, but eventually everything will be made right because of who our God is. In Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. The question is, will you trust that? Will you trust Jesus to be true to his word? You know, so worry is something that we all battle with. It's something that we all struggle with, at least at one point or another in our lives. But as believers, we don't have to live under the weight of worry. Why is that? It's because of who our master is. It's because of who our Father is, and it's because of who our faith is in. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We don't have to live being crushed by worry. So what can we do today? You might say, I'm crushed by worry right now. Y'all, I worried about a lot of stuff this week. So what can we do? Just simply take this time right now. And pray to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Lord, even when I'm doubting, I'm going to hang on with a kernel of faith that what you say is true, and I'm going to live in faith in who you say you are. You know what I believe happens? As you seek God first, you begin to see the power of God.